This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, how y'all doing? So good to have you with us today. We're closing out all in, and I brought in my pastor to do this today. His name is Dan Stahlbaum. I met Dan, really, it was three years and two days ago. That's how long I met him. We just happened to get sat at a table at a dinner together. And that night I was a little frustrated because we were in our first year and there were some things going on in our church I didn't quite understand. And I was just asking a ton of questions because we were seated with a bunch of guys that are like Dan. They were old guys. All right, I'm sorry. I had, just forgive me, please. And, and they've been in ministry forever and they've done, Dan, Dan's a pastor of East Coast Christian Church in Maryland, Island, Florida. I mean, he has killed it. He has built a life-giving church that is lasting. All right, that's their motto. They want to be a life-giving church that lasts. And he's, he's done the, his, he's raised up leaders and, and brought, I mean, he's just been an amazing mentor to so many people. And, you know, I, I think that when you sit at a table like that, you just want to ask questions. But a lot of times it just ends with those questions. But we exchanged numbers, and for the next few months, he'd call me and check on me. Like, that's what a pastor does, right? He's constantly involved in your life. And he invited me to go on a couple trips with him. And because of him, like, I can tell you that our church, our church is better because of him. And I personally am better because of him. I, I love him. He, he's the guy that if we didn't have to shut the doors in just a little while, we would just prop him up here and say, talk forever. All right. <laughs> because he is so full of wisdom and life. And so today he's got a message that he's prayed over, especially for us. And I'm so, so excited for you to get to be a part of that. So would you welcome Pastor Dan Stahlbaum to the stage this morning? Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you, man. Love you, too. Um, what time do, do I need to end, Pastor Kevin? Just help me out. 11.25. Beautiful. Jeez, I got all day. Is that 11.25 tonight or? No, I'm just... So basically, Pastor Kevin says, I'm an old guy and I'm full of it. Is that what you got? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know what I love? I, I mean, pastors, Kevin and Amanda, are easy people to love. You know, the Bible says love one another, and sometimes we do it by faith. <laughs> you just do it because you're supposed to do it. That's the, I, none of you deal with that, or is that just me? I mean, I deal with that. But, but pastors, Amanda and Kevin, their family, I, I'm just blessed to be able to know them. And hang out with them some. I, I have an incredible life. Uh, I pastor a great church. I get to know people like this. Be involved with uh, Vortex. You know what? You'd ask me three years ago uh, even where Albemarle is at. Um, much less do you love Albemarle. And I'd go, huh? And you know what? I can honestly say I love this place. I love this church. I love your pastors. And I, I will say this. Uh, Kevin has always been, and I love doing this, and you'll relate to this. When somebody really wants something, when they're really hungry, it's easy to, you know, when you try to feed a meal to somebody that doesn't want to eat, it's, it's not that much fun. But when somebody's really hungry and really enjoying what you're doing, it's amazing. And that's, your pastor is hungry, 
He's still learning. He's still wanting to press in to be who he's called to be, do what he's called to do. And that's so important. I see a lot of guys. So I'm glad to be here. And I would say this. How many people would say here that, that every community needs a church like Vortex in it? Come on. Don't they? They do. I mean, I believe that with all my heart. And that's why I'm involved with ARC and why this is an ARC church involved with ARC as well. So we're great with that. Um, I just do, do want to show you the best part of my life real quick. This is my family. I have four children. Uh, I'm married to my sweetheart for over 40 years. Um, they're all married. Did you see the couple in the back? They don't have any kids yet. So we have a chance to go beyond nine grandchildren. And uh, we're just blessed to, to live a supernatural, miraculous life. And I'm grateful for that. So uh, could we pray? And then we'll get started. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you that you're a great king, a great God. You provide for us in incredible ways. We thank you for these people gathered here. We thank you for this building we're in. We thank you for what you're, the future you're setting up for us. Lord, good works before ordained that we should walk in them. God, we are just, help me to speak in a way that imparts life. That isn't just words that are heard, but words that change and, and bring change in our lives. Father, uh, help, help us to hear in the same way. Everything we do and everything we say, could it, could it honor you? That would be our desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, amen. I want to talk to you about timing because timing is, timing is super important. Timing in many cases is everything. Uh, we've all said the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? And if you're married, you have. I don't know about the rest of you, but if you're married, you say, you say the wrong thing some of the times. And sometimes you, you say the right thing, but it's the wrong time. So... Timing is super important. Have you ever invested in something at the wrong time? You know, got in the stock market and then it crashed or invested in house and, and the housing market went down or did something over here. We've all made mistakes in that area because timing is really important. That old rule when everybody's selling, you should be buying. And when everybody's buying, you should be selling. It's, it's true, but we don't often follow that. So timing is important. I want to tell you a timing story that is incredible. It's a story of Ronald Wayne, and you may recognize some of the other names involved in the story. I want to throw a picture of this guy. Anybody know who that is? Steve Jobs, right? I mean, the founder of Apple, incredible uh, brainiac who, who built some incredible equipment. And then you've got one of his other partners, not as well-known, Steve Wasanek, and uh, he's, uh, he's also a founder of Apple, but you probably didn't know Ronald Wayne. He was also one of the founders of Apple, and in the beginning of Apple, they, they were looking for investment capital money to start up the company. And as they went around, they were putting in money. And, and Ronald Wayne uh, put in $1,500. That was his contribution, which was a lot then. In fact, it was 10% of what they needed to get started. And so he put in $1,500. He owned 10% of Apple. And uh, a few months later, he got cold feet. And that meant a lot. That was a long time ago. That money meant a lot to him. And he went back to Steve. He said, Steve... You know, I, I don't know, uh, is there any way that I can get out now? Um, you know, I just, you know, get the $1,500 back, you know. And, and Steve said, you know, not only will we give you the money back, but we're going to give you $800 for believing in us and helping us get started. And that was a huge investment, just a few months' time to get, you know, 50%, over 50% increase on your money. He was thrilled. He laughed. Well, here's the, here's the wild thing. Timing is everything because Apple today... 10% of Apple, listen to this number, this is crazy talk, but 10% of Apple today is worth $50 billion. Anybody think that uh, Ronald Wayne's timing was a little off? A little bit. 
just a little bit. You know, I don't know about you guys, but if I hang in there just a, you know, a little while longer, the amazing amount of money that that would, would make a difference. I want to talk to you as a church family and as individuals, I want to talk to you about timing and opportunity. Because God, the Bible says that God opens a door that no man can shut and shuts a door that no man can open. The Bible says that there are good works before ordained, already set up, that you should walk through them. And so there is, timing is important in the Bible. And, and opportunity is important in the Bible. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And I want to use the example of Esther. Esther is an amazing story of an amazing woman in the Bible. And I will say this about the book of Esther. When you read the book of Esther, God's not mentioned. It's one of the rare books in the Bible that actually happens. And I'm going to share some things. Now, his, the evidence of him being there happens in the book. But they don't actually talk about God or use his name in the book of Esther. It's a pretty amazing, amazing fact. But anyway, this is the time in the Bible, about 450, 500 years before Jesus. This is taking uh, place during the Babylonian uh, captivity. This is when Israel was taken out of uh, uh, Israel, the people out of Israel, taken to Iraq, a uh, country we're familiar with. Uh, you've got King Xerxes is the king who's in power at this time. It's the same time in the Bible, basically, when Ezra and Nehemiah are happening in the Bible as well. And so Esther gets involved with this contest in Persia. In this contest, it's called, I think it's called Persian Bachelor. <laughs> I heard some girls laugh. Yes, I did. Now, I've never seen the show, but I've seen the previews, all right? And I hate it. I'll just tell you right now, I hate that show. Not really. I, I, you know, I don't have it really. don't watch it. But she's on an episode of Persian Bachelor, and she wins it. And she becomes queen of Persia. So she's the heroine in the story. King Xerxes is the kind of crazy king in the story. And then you've got uh, this guy Haman. And he is what many people are in this day as well as back then. He's anti-Semitic. He doesn't like, he hates Jews. He wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. He's a narcissistic, prideful, I'm going to use a religious term, demonized nutcase. Is nutcase a religious term? Anyway, uh, nutcase that's all about himself, wanting to push himself up and destroy the Jewish nation. So he's the bad guy. And the good guy in the story is Mordecai. And that's Esther's uncle who adopted her. And he's a great guy. He's an, he's an honorable man, a godly man. He's also uh, let the king know about a plot to kill him earlier in the story, before the story begins. He has gone and gotten word to the king that some people in his cabinet, in his close to him, are going to poison him and kill him. And so the king is able to preserve his life. So Mordecai is a good guy that has kind of stepped in already and, and done a good work for the king. And... Uh, he gets, a, he gets wind of this plot of Haman to kill the Jews. They're going to murder all the Jews and take all their stuff. And so he goes to Esther and he says, Esther, it may be that you have won the Persian bachelor for more than hot tub nights in rose petals beneath the stars drinking champagne with King Xerxes. It may be that you have won this, this competition of all these young women because this is your time. Turn to your neighbor, look at your neighbor and say, this is your time. Look at your other neighbor and say, this is your time. 
That's what it says in Scripture, Esther 4, verse 12 through 14. says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone and of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for all the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you've come to the royal position for such a time as this. I want to talk to you about time, and, and I'm, I'm going to break it down about three, time, three things about your time and the time that this church is in. First of all, number one is God has a time for each of us. Every person on the planet, God has a time for Esther, God has a time for you, and it's broken into two categories. Your life-defining time and your life-encompassing time. Your life-defining time is that moment in your life that you're going to be known for that at your funeral they will say, such and such, what, you know, whoever, Dan was this, or you know, uh, Kevin was this, or Amanda was this, or Al was this, or Rose was this. It, they're just they, They're going to say about you, and you're going to be known for, your life is going to be defined by some events, and, or they, they, they made a huge difference in my life, they changed my life, etc., etc. That's your life-defining time. Your life-encompassing time is, is, in other words, it's the dash between two dates. I was born in 1953. Uh, uh, um, let's say I die in 2053, and so... Uh, there's a dash which represents that hundred years. So I have my life I just live, and then I have my life that defines me, those moments in my life that define my life. Those are the two parts of our lives. In Esther, what she was known for at her funeral, what they talked about was that Esther saved a nation. Now, it is the mortality rate here in the Carolinas 100%? It is in Florida. We're all going to die, right? Yeah, and, and they're going to say something about your funeral. Let me tell you a story about a guy in, in, from your history. His name is Mordecai Ham. Some of you know who he is, some don't. Mordecai Ham was a, was a preacher. He was not a superstar of his day. He was not famous. He uh, didn't draw large crowds. But you know what he did? He, he lived his life. He loved God. He did what he was called to do. He just kept doing what he was called to do. He just kept doing what he was called to do. And one day, a tall, thin man walked into his service listened to him preach, and gave his heart and life to Christ. Some of you know him, and some of you don't, but that man's name was Billy Graham. See, Mordecai Ham's defining moment, he's known for now, Mordecai Ham's known for leading Billy Graham to the Lord. And you look at the effects of what Billy Graham did, and has done in the, in the, for the kingdom of God, and you go, wow, but Mordecai Ham, he was just living life, just doing what he was called to do, and he ran into that life-defining moment. I am so grateful that a Nazarene uh, elder son got saved and went away to Bible school and came back to Colorado in the general area that we lived and planted a church. Why? Because our lives intersected. I worked with his brother-in-law. Guess what happened? I got saved. Not only did I get saved, I, I ended up in the ministry. Not only did I end up in the ministry, I've been involved in planting numerous churches around the country. Uh, you know, that, that's a God thing. That, that defining moment in Steve's life where he answered the call and said, I'm all in, I'll do it, I'll plant that church in Boulder, Colorado, that impacted my life. I'm so grateful that it did. Here's, here's the, the, the truth about it is, your life-defining moment very often will sneak up on you. 
You don't, you don't know where it's coming. And very often, it'll be born out of a crisis. Esther's was. She's in a position where she, she, she might lose her life and all of her nation might lose their lives. And out of that crisis came her moment to be who God called her to be, to do what God called her to do, and it changed people's lives. And if you're facing a crisis right now, I just want to say to you that you, like Esther, have the favor and blessing of God on your life. And it is your time not to go under, but to go over and to shine for Jesus. A little bit more about life-encompassing time. Listen to what it says in, in Acts 17, 26. It says, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He's just basically saying God created man, and he put them all over the whole earth. Now listen to this. He determined the time set for them, in other words, when they'd live, and the exact places they should live. God determined that you would be born in history in this period, and that you would live in this part of the world. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? You are here for a purpose. Ordained by God. It's incredible. That, that, you know, there are no, let me see how I can say this. There are unplanned pregnancies. You got it? Carolyn and I, uh, we're, we hadn't had children in 10 years. Uh, one day, Carolyn came out of the bathroom. She had this little thing, looked like a temperature-taking thing. This little thing, and she, she's, she's holding it. When she came out of the bathroom, she was white as a sheet. She showed it to me, and I realized she wasn't taking her temperature. She was doing a pregnancy test. Ten years after we were done having kids, she comes out of the bedroom and says, I'm pregnant. We both just sat on the bed, laid back on the bed, and did not move or talk for 20 minutes. I just laid there like this. Oh, yeah. You know what? That was not planned. That's what we call at our house a whoops, baby. Whoops. But you know what? There may be unplanned pregnancies, but there are no unplanned people. God ordained, and that, that, that young man has been such a blessing in our lives. It's such a wonder for us in our lives. It'd be like Henry Ford looking at a car, rolling off the assembly line and saying, uh, uh, um, uh, what? What, what, what do you think we ought to do with this thing? No, he, he knew what it was for because he designed it and he built it. He designed you and he built you. And he has a purpose for your life that is an incredible purpose. And if you've been surprised by something recently, maybe it's medical, maybe it's financial, maybe it's, maybe it's relational, and it's, not, it's, it's been ouch, that hurt, I got good news for you. God was not surprised by it. In fact, God was working on your solution before you ever had the problem. A lot of times we think about life. Christians have this tendency to think it's the devil doing something, then God fixing it. It's the devil doing something, then God fixing it. I got news for you. God is not following around behind the devil cleaning up his mess. God is so far out in front of him. Come on. See, just like healing in your body, I, I didn't say this in the other service, but I'm going to say it now. Just like healing in your body, the Bible says that Jesus purchased your healing 2,000 years ago. It's there waiting for you to receive it whenever you need it. It isn't the devil does something, then God does something. God already did something. He already took care of that. He's provided for you everything you need in Jesus. Man, that, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm going to need an amen on that one. Come on. Now. 
See, amen to a preacher like gasoline to a car. The more you give him, the faster he'll go. So if you want to get out of here, let's get with it. There we go. Okay, now I'm rolling. Now I'm rolling. Okay. God has a purpose for you. Don't waste your, your life looking for your defining moment. A lot of people live their life. Man, when I get married, it's going to be great. I've got news for you. When you get married, you're going to die. That's what marriage is for. Marriage is to kill you. And, and you don't believe anybody. What anybody else tells you, I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is, marriage was meant to kill you. You're going to, you get married, you're going to die. Some of you think, I'm halfway there, Pastor. <laughs> I get it. But see, think about it for a minute. When you get married, what you do is you die to yourself and you live for somebody else. It's just the way it is. Come on now. So if you're single, enjoy it. Come on, enjoy your now. Don't just be looking for your maybe someday. How do you do it? Well, I, I know how I started at, with the church we were at. We were a mobile church. We met in a movie theater. And you know what I did? I, I carried in books. I put them on a table and I set up a little area like you would have in the corner over here somewhere. Maybe if you had some books and you'd, I, I just took care of the book table for them. That's how I started at the church. You know that, that church I started in? I am still ordained in that church since 1983. I still am a pastor that represents that ministry. How did I start? I started by selling, selling a few books, ushering. Whatever there was to do in my local church, I just got involved with it and started doing it. You know what happened? Life happened and change happened, and it was incredible blessing. It doesn't matter where you're at either, what age you are. It doesn't matter at all. Number two, so God has a time for us, number one. Number two is there will always be reasons why now is not the time. Come on, that's good. There's always going to be a reason why. You're going to go, well, I don't know. You know, I'd like to, but. I'd like to, but. You know, uh, reasons are just fancy, a fancy way of saying excuses. I went on Facebook the other day, which is the fount of all wisdom, right? That's where the fairy tale world is actually being lived out in front of us. But anyway, oh, I love my boo, my boo. Oh, I just love my boo. Oh, I love my boo. And then you go over to their house, you can hear them throwing dishes in the kitchen. But anyway, sorry. It's, tr it's true. It is. Anyway, on Facebook, I was looking, and, and moms were writing down their kids' best excuse. One little, one little kid comes out from not picking up their room. One little kid comes out and goes, oh, I would have picked up my room, but I have a bad migraine. <laughs> Didn't quite get it right. Another, another kid said, but, well, mom, mom, when I pick it up, you, you always say that I didn't do it. I got to do some more and pick, and, and you helped me pick it up, so I just figured I'd let you pick it up. And then, uh, sorry, don't, don't have that on tape. But anyway, um, the, other, the last one, I thought this was cute. This, this, I think it was a little girl that said this. She said, she said, Mommy, Mommy, these hands aren't for picking up toys. They're for hugging you. Oh, yeah, I got you. You got me. Okay, hug. We're going to let you off the hook. I'll, I'll have your dad pick up your room for you. Anyway, moving right along. Um, we get creative with our reasons why now's not the time. You know, I, I've heard this one a lot. I've been in ministry for over 30 years, and I've heard a lot. It's, I, I'll get involved when, when things slow down. <laughs> really? Like, I, I am 62. Kevin was right. I am an older guy. And, and uh, here's the truth. Things have just been getting faster and faster my whole lifetime. There is never going to be a time when things slow down. You need to get on board with God right now, uh, no matter how busy or what your excuse is. See, excuses are just the nails we use to build 
house of failure. Excuses are just the nails we use to build the house of failure. Here's the truth about you and about me. I know this about you because I know people. I know me. The truth about me is if, if I don't want to be brutal here, but if it's important to me, I'll make a way. If it's not important to me, I'll make an excuse. If it's important to you, you make a way. If it's not important to you, you make an excuse. Esther had excuses as well. Mordecai came to her and says, it's your time. But this is what Esther said. Esther said, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches a king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. This is how it worked. If, if, if the king was on his throne and in the inner court, the private in his private area, and you came to that area without being invited, they didn't go to the king, should, they, should we kill him or not? No, they just killed you. It was a standing order. He had but one law. It was law. You don't have to, the police officer doesn't have to call and say, should I give them a ticket? No, there's a law. They just give you one. Or you get favor and you get out of it. But anyway, moving right along. Um, there's only one exception. That exception is if, they, if he puts out the royal scepter and says, stop, don't kill him. And then listen to this. This is important. Esther said this, but 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Now, I don't mean to be blunt here, but. I want you to feel this. Here's a young, beautiful woman who wins Persian Bachelor. And for a season, probably short season, King Xerxes is infatuated with her. But this is a man who has hundreds, maybe thousands in his harem. And he is infatuated for a season. And then for one month, he has had nothing to do with her. Hasn't called for her, hasn't spoken to her. This isn't like husband and wife where she has his ear and they're close. That isn't the way it worked at all. She's over here. He's over there and she hasn't seen him for a month. And, and you got to understand this. This is a dangerous request because she's saying, look, I asked this thing of this king and he is a nutcase. This is Xerxes. He thought he was God Almighty. And if I go in and talk to him, this is dangerous, Mordecai. But here's the truth. I believe in many of our cases, in between us and where God wants us to go, there is a dangerous king trying to stop you. A king of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Don't let that king of fear keep you from being who you're called to be. Why? Because others stand in the balance. See, what Esther did was going to make a difference in a nation. Others, what you do, what you choose, stands in a balance. I, we had recently, Hurricane Matthew came through. You guys know that as well. It came up the East Coast, did a lot of damage in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, in the southern part of the state and that, and uh, there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. We actually evacuated, most of our area evacuated. 
And I went down to uh, our church facility uh, there where the larger campus is. And I had responsibility for my daughter and her children because uh, her husband works at the hospital. He's on call. He had to go in and stay there the whole time. It was the only hospital left open in Brevard County. Um, my other son is a fireman. He's, of course, on call till the state of emergency is called off. And so I had their families with me and my wife. And we went down to the church building. It's very secure. It would have been a, a you know, a, a, an evacuation point if uh, they wouldn't have evacuated the whole area. It would have been a shelter. And so we were there, and we spent the night there. And I got up very early in the morning, about 5 o'clock in the morning. I was looking out. I had my headlamp on, trying to focus out there at a distance and see what was going on out outside. It was right in the teeth of the storm. It was blowing right into the front doors of the building. And I noticed that the rug that we used to, uh, to wipe your feet on as you came in was rolled up against the window like it blew against the window. And I thought, man, we've got to pick up the rugs. When the storm settles down, I'll get it and bring it inside. And uh, as I was looking outside out of the corner of my eye, my daughter was down there with me. We saw the rug move. And I'm like, what is going? There was a man who was invited by a friend to go to his house. When he got to the house, because they evacuated that area, he wasn't there. And I was stuck on Merritt Island. He's called the police. He's called the fire department. They will not come and get you. That's what they tell you. That's why when they tell you evacuate, do it. You're on your own. And he got stuck in this storm, and the only thing he could do was roll himself up in the big rug on our porch and was laying out in that storm with 75-mile-an-hour wind blowing right at him. You know, the decisions we make in life affect others. We were able to drag that guy inside, get him some hot food and hot drink, and got him not hypothermic anymore. He was a mess. He was crippled. He, his leg only went down to about right here, and he had a little twisted foot on the end of his leg and on crutches and was caught out in that storm. The truth of the matter is, this is what the church is for, to be a safe place in the storms of life. The decisions you make as vortex and the decisions you make as individuals make a difference in the world we live in. Let me, uh, let me go to the last point. Just take me a minute to get through it. It says, if you will step up when you know it's your time, God will step in at exactly the right time. And that's good. If you will step up when you know it's your time, God will step in at exactly the right time. Oh my gosh. It's just a beautiful picture. You know, I like the opposite better. Let God step in, then I'll join him. <laughs> you know, I want to feel a quiver in my liver and a tingle in my spine. I want to get Holy Ghost goosebumps like, yes! But sometimes God says, you don't need to feel any of that. You just need to go. Just go. Get in. Don't use an excuse. Get in there. Do what you're called to do. Build that legacy. Be, be who you're called to be as a church. Be who you're called to be as a fa family. See, when, when, when Israel left Egypt the first time, they went to the Red Sea, and the Bible says that, they part, that God parted the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land. That was cool. Now they're getting ready to leave uh, the wilderness and go into the promised land and they said okay I remember how my mom and dad did it they just God just opened it up and we walked across so they walked up to the water and they said okay is it going to open and 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 just says no it's not 
Actually, what we're going to do is we have the worship team walk in first. Didn't the worship team do a great job up here this morning? Come on. Wonderful getting in his presence. And he said, oh, we're going to have the worship team go out there. We're going to have the pastors, the priests go out there. And then at some point when you guys are all walking across, I'm going to stop the water and we're going to part it. Oh, boy, that's a lot harder than part the water and me walk in it. Now i got to start walking out in it. And then God's going to part it. That's really a, an act of faith. And so you guys have an opportunity here to step up for your legacy. But the truth of the matter is every step that we take in legacy has a risk. I know for Carolyn and I, when we did uh, one of our first big building projects, multi-million, we felt like we wanted to step in, but it wasn't a good time. We had four kids, we had a nice house, but my mom had just, I just moved her in, she was in a wheelchair. It's amazing how small your house gets when you put a wheelchair in it. She couldn't even get in the bathroom with her wheelchair, the door was too narrow. I had to pick her up, scoop her up, and put her in there. It was just like, we're going to build a house. Lord, we're build, don't you know we're building a house, Jesus? Oh, we got this big building program, we're building a house. This is what the Lord said to me, listen to this, you can grab this. He said to me, if you'll build my house... I'll build yours. He said, if you'll build my house, I'll build yours. And so we said, we're in. We gave our $15,000 down payment uh, that we were saving for our house. And we said, okay, within just a very short period of time, God enabled me to buy a lot on the water, which is an incredible, incredibly rare thing. I asked the realtor, how much should I expect to pay? He said, the minimum 75, but probably 100 for a lot. I got it for 31.5. We built a house for $120,000. That was what the house cost. Put in a pool, boathouse, all that kind of stuff. We had $131,500 in this house. It appraised when it was done for 275. Is that good news? But listen to this. Here's the crazy part. We had that house for six years, and then we sold it. And we sold it for $625,000. Look, this is what happened. Listen to this. I put a half a million with M-I-L-L-I-O-N in my wallet in our, in our future. There's no way that my brain or my hands was able to get in six years' time an extra half a million dollars. But God said, if you build my house, I'll build yours. If you'll step up when you know it's your time, Dan, I will step in at exactly the right time. God has that for you. Not necessarily a house, but he has that for you. So wherever you're at, I just want to encourage you. Let me read the final verse of Scripture. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together. All the Jews are in Susha. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king. And even though it's against the law, if I perish, I perish. Good news is she did not perish. Esther is known as a woman who saved a nation. That was her life-defining moment. What will your life-defining moment be as you step into what God has for you as a family, individually, and part of that is as you step in to what you have for Vortex. Would you bow your heads with me, please? The most important decision you can make is to give your heart and life to Christ. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. That is just amazing. 
God is saying this. Listen, God's saying, look, I'm always ready. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, God says, all you've got to do is call. And whenever you call, that will be your day. And I just want to encourage you. Today can be your day. You can be part of the family of God. Father, I thank you. Would you repeat this after me? Father God. Everybody in the room. Father God. Thanks for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I want to live for you. I want you to be my Savior. And I want you to be my Lord. I want to be part of the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.